uh, I count it an honor to have the opportunity to start the day. And uh, I thank the, uh, the organizing team for, for choosing me to do this and uh, for entrusting me with this, with this task of doing a talk on the foundations of marriage. Uh, it, it's not the title, I'll give you a title, but, but that's the idea behind it. Uh, what I'm going to share with you, I believe, has transformational power. I believe that what I'm going to share with you is going to, to make a difference. We're going to have many practical, more down-to-earth sessions, I believe, along uh, the day. But this session is not a practical one, per se. This session is a theoretical one. It is laying the philosophical foundations of, of our homes, of our marriages, as children of God, as, as kingdom people, uh, there is a way that we can go about our marriages that is very different from what the world is doing. And this is what I want to tell us about right now. So uh, I have titled this The Transformed Marriage. The Transformed Marriage. The Transformed Marriage. The number one thing, we'll go through a couple of scriptures. I really want to deal with the biblical foundations for marriage. And the key word for us here is transformation. And uh, you see, until you get married, you are generally overrated. Amen. Until you enter inside your marriage, you're generally overrated. You're overrated by yourself and by your fiancé. And by every brother and sister in the church, you're overrated. Until you get married, you don't really know exactly how bad you can become. You don't know how crazy you can act at times. So marriage is, marriage is, marriage is that place where you discover you're, you were not as awesome as you thought you, 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 you were. You know... And, uh, you know, it is in marriage that the sister who married that great man of God she saw in the pulpit uh, suddenly discovers he, he's not as anointed a husband as he is a pastor. You see, so uh, in marriage, we are laid bare. Marriage lays us bare, both fig- figuratively and literally, of course. You see, in marriage your true self comes to the surface. Not your true self as Christ made it, but your true self as you are now experiencing. Of course, we know that in Christ we're all perfect. You know, we all, we all know that theology. Okay? But, uh, but of course, we know that in our experience in marriage, we don't see the perfection of Christ in the way we talk and, and behave all the time. So, marriage lays you bare. Both literally, meaning even physically. You see, uh, <laughs> in marriage, your husband or your wife discovers the real you after all the hype and after all the makeup. You see. Then, then the substantial you. What is left after all has been removed? <laughs> is what this person will have to live with. And that is why the most important thing in my estimation in marriage 
is transformation. It is transformation. The, 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 the problem of most marriages is lack of transformation. Many believers go into marriage without being transformed. Now, I'll say more on that, but let me just quote this scripture, which is my foundational scripture for this morning. It is a scripture that everybody knows. It is not generally referred to as a, as a marriage scripture. Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed. The only way that our homes will not conform to whatever we see out there is transformation. You know, so God has a standard. And the only way we can achieve that standard is through transformation. And right now, let me just say, let me just make this statement. Transformation is the least available commodity among believers. It is difficult to find transformed people. And so we're going to look a little bit into what, 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 what it means to be transformed or how it is manifested. Amen? Amen? Now, let me make a couple of statements that I would like you to write down. Marriage is a school of transformation. Because, because you're not as good as you thought you were. And you're not as good as your spouse thought you were. Your marriage is an invitation for you to become a different, better person. And so even if you prosper and become Aliko Dangote and have many kids, and all of them go to the university and become big people in life, according to God, write this, this next state, statement down. According to God, the measure of your success in marriage is in how much transformed you came out of the experience. It is not in, 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 in the kids you successfully raised. It is not even in the fact that you stayed in marriage. You see, right now in, in, in Christendom, we have one thing. We just have to stay in it. You can stay in it, but you are a failure. You can stay in the marriage but you have failed in your marriage. And can I shock you a little bit? Somebody may have a broken marriage, but God is more proud of that person. Because even though one of the spouses decided to go, you know, in, in marriage, we will always, we'll always associate breakage and failure to the two people, not God. Do you hear what I'm saying? In 1 Corinthians chapter 7, at one point in time, the Apostle Paul said, if the Christian who's married has an unbelieving spouse, he says, if the spouse wants to stay, let him stay. You, this Christian, your job is to do everything to also stay. But if the other person wants to go, they're free to go. Do you hear what I'm saying? You know, I have, I have stopped... Judging the outcome, the outcome of people's lives because their marriage just broke. You don't know the fight they went through. You don't know how transformed they came out of that experience. You know, and, and we don't have any guarantee that our transformation will transform the other. We have a promise that it might, but we don't have a promise that it will. So, what am I saying? 
Your responsibility before God is to become transformed. Has nothing to do with what your spouse does. Has nothing to do with what your partner does. You must be transformed. You must be transformed. Then God will hold you accountable and responsible for how much you begin to resemble him. There's something I always like telling people, and I always tell this, I always remind my wife about this. <laughs> Listen, and, and, and if you can write this down too, it will be good. There is no name dropping before God. You know what name dropping is? You know what these rappers do? Even, even some of the musicians that we have here, calling people's names in your song. When you stand in front of God, there will be no name dropping. You can't call another man's name when you stand before his right, his, his throne of judgment. You, know, you will never say, it, I fell into fornication because I was lured into by this man. No. You don't call another name in the presence of God when he asks you a question. Do you hear what I'm saying? You, you will never say, Lord, I behaved that carnally because my husband did this. So before him, you are not justified to act carnal just because somebody else acted carnal next to you. So you are always responsible. Only you are responsible for your current level of transformation. Do you hear what I'm saying? Look, marriage is for transformation. It is for transformed people. And it is for transforming people. Amen? Amen. So, our success in marriage is a direct measure of how transformed we have allowed ourselves to become. Success in marriage is a transformed life. That is success in marriage. And this transformed state already takes away 90% of the pains and struggle of marriage. Now let's read another uh, scripture. James chapter 4 and verse 1. I don't know. I'm, I'm not timing myself. Do I, do I? Okay, so you let me know when I have 10 minutes left. James chapter 4, verse 1. Let me just read it for us. You don't need to turn there. I'm reading from the Net Bible. <coughs> That's New English Translation. It says, Where do the conflicts and where do the quarrels among you come from? He says, is it not from this, from your passions, that battle inside of you? So this, this, this scripture tells us something. Anything that happens among people or between when it's just two people, anything that, and since we're talking to, 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 to couples here, let's say between, anything that happens between two of you is the result of what happens inside. The two of you are one of you. You hear what I'm saying? Every problem a couple will ever face can be traced to a transformation deficit. Every 
problem you will ever face in your relationship can be traced to a transformation deficit. It is not what the person did that caused you to curse and scream and break the glasses and hit her. It is lack of transformation that caused you to do that. Because somebody else will receive the same insult, the same pain, the same everything, will not curse, will not slap, will not take the glasses and throw at the husband. So what's your problem? Transformation deficit. It is not that the man talks, it's not that he's too authoritative, even though that's a problem too for him. But your being nagging cannot be justified by his being too authoritative. No, your being nagging can be traced to a lack of transformation. You don't know how to hold your mouth. You don't know how to hold your mouth. You don't know how to hold your mouth. You don't know how to shut up when you have to shut up. You lack self-control. You lack self-control. You see, seek transformation above everything else. Seek trans. Can I tell you something? James said the, the, the struggle between you comes from lost passions that are untamed within you. According to James, the fight is not caused by the disagreement. The fight is called is caused by carnality. Untransformed inner personality. That's what James says. The fight is not caused by the disagreement. We can disagree and still not fight. He says, but the fights and the quarrels, where did they come from? He says, they come from your lusts, your passions, that war. They are untamed. So they war within you. And then in the next verse, he says, one of you says, one of you wants this and can't get that. Now, how do we apply that to marriage? You want to have your way. What you say must go. And because the other can't take it or won't take it, you go crazy. (laughs) One thing I want us to learn to do today as we embrace this call to transformation is, Father, help me never to make a problem again. We can disagree and still be best friends. In fact, the fact that we disagree sometimes proves that there's enough brains in this couple. It proves that there's enough brains in this couple. We will disagree sometimes. But fighting because of a disagreement is a revelator of carnality. It's still a carnal believer. You see... The imperfections of our, of our spouses. Now, let, let, I'm, I'm sorry if, if, the, if the statements are crude, but, uh, but I believe that 
We just need to undergo a surgery. This is the first thing couples should be taught in church. Become transformed. Because the transformed believer will, by default, do everything that we teach the people in, uh, what do you call it, in marital counseling. Now, and the things he does not know how to do, and the things his spouse does not know how to do, they will, in peace, grow into those things. In peace. In peace. Now let me let, let me read another scripture to us. <laughs> let me read this other scripture. Now let me just show show us one of one. I just have to skip some of the things on my notes. I have five minutes left. First Peter chapter three verse one to two. Just write down the reference and let me read it for you. In the same way, wives, be subject or submitted to your husbands. Then, even if some are disobedient, now listen, even if some, even if your spouse is disobedient to the word, meaning the word of God, the principles of God, he won't listen to what pastor is saying. He won't listen to what we are saying in this you know, thing. Even if he's disobedient to the word, <laughs> they will be won over without a word. By what? By your conversation, by the way you live. The way you live has nothing to do with what you heard in a seminary, it has nothing to do with how good you cook. That's not the way you live. A good wife must be a good cook. You must, you know, know how to do this. You know, and you take the list in uh, uh, Proverbs 31, the virtuous woman. All of that is good. But it says, it says it is not the thing, it's the way you live. Of course, the way you live will translate into some of these things. And oh, let me open the parenthesis very quick. The Bible calls her the virtuous woman. And then he tells of some of the practical things she does. It is not the things first. It is her virtue first. Transformation. 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 He says, so that they will be won without, won over without a word by the way you live, by your conduct. By the transformational you that you display. When they see, and in verse 2 it says, when they see your pure and reverent conduct. How much purity do you have in your conduct? You, see, you, have, to, you have to realize that God does not need to know who wins arguments. You want to destroy your marriage fast, try to win arguments. You want to always be fighting in your home? Try to win arguments. The most spiritual of the two is the one who will accept to lose many times. Let go of that discussion. Let go, let go, let go. We do not have time to go into some of the other things and details of, of this transformational life. 
But let me just mention a few things and you will write them down and God will continue to minister to you. I, I encourage you to go home and meditate on these things and discuss them with your spouse. Forgiveness. The transformed spouse forgives. Amen? When you're transformed, forgiveness is automatic. Automatic. Forgiveness. Second, forgetfulness. What did I say? Forgetfulness. Oblivion. The transformed spouse forgets. You see, the Bible says God keeps no record of our wrongs. When you tell him, Father, do you remember what I did to you last year? He says, I can't remember. Amen? Forgiveness and forgetfulness. Third word which you go home and study, sacrifice. Sacrifice. You see, these are, these are not practical things, right? This, this is not, mm, these are not practical things. These are internal things. Inward things. Amen? And, uh, of course, I encourage you to go home and reread 1 Corinthians 13. Read it with your husband. Read it with your wife. 1 Corinthians 13. Now, love is, love is, love is. Read it and, and, and be like, Father, is this the kind of love I'm giving to my spouse? I used to believe I was the most patient man on earth until I got married. I discovered that I needed to grow. And now I can say I am far more patient than I was nine years ago. That's what marriage should be. It should change us. It should transform us. You hear what I'm saying? Amen? Amen. And uh, also read, of course, go home and read uh, Galatians uh, chapter 5, verse 22. You can start from 16 if you like. Okay? Because we're talking about uh, transformation. Hallelujah. And uh, I had a comment to make on 2 Corinthians 5, 16, but... There is no more time to do that. Just write, just write it down, 2 Corinthians 5.16. And you also... Okay, I have a couple of minutes. Uh-huh. All right. So 2 Corinthians 5.16. That verse says, Wherefore, henceforth, know we no man after the flesh. Amen. From henceforth, we no longer know anybody, any man, including my man and my woman. After the flesh. You see, this is the New Testament standard that God has set for us to live by. And on the basis of which we have to treat other people. And so when I was preparing for this session, God brought me here and he says... Don't look at your spouse according to the flesh. 
after the flesh. The transformed spouse will look at their counterpart with God's eyes. Can I say that again? Not looking at your spouse after the flesh means you don't focus on what she just did. You focus on who she could be. In 1 Corinthians chapter 7, the chapter on marriage, the chapter that discloses the most information on marriage in Scripture, in 1 Corinthians 7, the Apostle Paul said something that is very interesting. He says, he says that the unbelieving husband is sanctified by the believing wife. And, and similarly, the unbelieving wife is sanctified by the believing husband. Whenever you look at your wife, whenever you look at your husband, and you think of any good quality you have built in you, just remember one thing. She is potentially a carrier of this same thing I have. Because this one sanctifies the other in the area of its weakness. Do you remember what I, do you, do you hear what I'm saying? There are areas in which you will be strong. And she will be weak. Areas in which you will be strong and he will be weak. Whenever you remember your strength and you see that he is weak in that area, you, you, you must sanctify him. You must sanctify her in that area. Do you hear what I'm saying? And before you realize it, she too and he too has overcome that weakness and is now growing and manifesting that same strength that you had already built. Some of the time we'll say more on the transformational marriage, but I have to stop here. God bless you.